Welcome to another installment of Now Hear This Entertainment. I'm Bruce Wozniak, and wherever you have found the show, thank you for listening. This show is widely available, so know that there are lots of options out there to listen and subscribe. The website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes, plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms. Please spread the word about NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, my guests are an acoustic duo who released a new single earlier this year. As a duo, they have performed not only there in South Carolina, but as far west as California and even down in the Virgin Islands, among other locations. They are both classically trained musicians who each play more than one instrument, and they live and tour in a converted Sprinter van, which we will talk about today. Plus, they have done a video series documenting their traveling and performing, which we will also discuss. You've been hearing a song of theirs called This Time. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Melissa Joyner and Mark Brooke. Together, they are Transit Soul. Hello. How's it going, Bruce? Hi, folks. Welcome. How are you? Wonderful. Listeners, I know there's a bit of an asterisk, but technically this is the fourth week in a row that we've had a return guest on NHTE because Melissa was actually on as a solo artist way back on episode 28, which was six years ago. So let's start off this one by having the two of you tell the audience all about the song that was just playing called This Time. So... When I first started writing this song, I thought I wanted to play on the words of, you know, you go through life, you meet all these people, you fall for things, you get hurt. And at some point you decide that you don't want to fall for them anymore. And you don't want to believe the lies and the different things. But then as you evolve and learn to love yourself, you meet someone and then you love them and you're not going to fall anymore because they're catching you this time. So it starts out as this whole story of not falling for someone's lies and not falling for the hurt and then being open and safe and secure enough to trust in a new person and know that you're not going to fall. So when I was playing it for Mark and he added his cello to it, it just kind of cemented the feeling of that song. Mm. It's talking about transitioning and how something can mean one thing at one point in your life and then mean something completely different later. So is that just the case for this particular song, or is that kind of the writing style that the two of you have developed, or how does how does that work for Transit Soul? So when I first started Transit Soul with Mark, we took a lot of my original songs because we had to start from somewhere, and then he would add music to it or ah. come up with like composition things that changed it to make it more exciting. And now when we write together... We just kind of get into a space. Oftentimes we'll go to a cabin somewhere or he'll have the music already done or I'll have lyrics or we'll create like beats together. But we just kind of like get in the space and figure out what we want to write. And we just kind of play a bunch of things until something hits. Sometimes he'll have something started that he'll bring to me or vice versa. Okay. Yeah. And it's also like the, uh, the ambience of where you're at. And we actually did record that song on the road in a cabin in Montana. So it's it's really about where you record for us. It's really important. Hmm. Well, listeners, this is actually going to be the last episode that will air before the drawing takes place for the $25 Amazon e-gift card. On Monday, September 12th, someone who fills out the survey about this podcast will win that. To find and take the survey, go to the pinned post at the top of the Now Hear This Facebook page 
or the pinned tweet at the top of the now here this twitter account if you're not already following one or both of those just go to the show website nhte.net and look for the block of social media and podcast platform icons to link over to the facebook or twitter account or you can email me podcast at nhte.net and just let me know you want to fill out the survey and i will send you the link Fill it out so I can get some feedback about the show and what the audience feels about it and get yourself in the running for that $25 Amazon gift card. Meanwhile, Melissa and Mark obviously have lots to talk about and lots of stories to share, so much so that after we're done recording this NHTE episode, we are going to continue recording even more conversation, but that extra audio will only be available to those who are on the Patreon for this podcast. It's only 5 bucks to get started, and that's not just for the exclusive content from Transit Soul. I've been putting out these bonus audio files going all the way back to last Christmas, so... Once you sign up for the NHTE Patreon, you will get access to the exclusive audio that goes with the last 37 episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment, and you'll get notified every week thereafter when a new bonus audio file goes up. To get started with all this, go directly to patreon.com slash NHTE, or on the show website, nhte.net, utilize the orange-colored support us on Patreon button. I really would appreciate your support of this show that way. Melissa, Mark, before we really roll up our sleeves here, let's get some background. I mentioned in the intro that you're both classically trained musicians and that you're both multi-instrumentalists. So let's have you just each talk about the instruments that you play and the training that you've had. Uh, I uh, actually learned music in Michigan. Um, I was in orchestra since fourth grade uh, as a cellist and uh, played uh, cello all the way through college into Eastern Michigan University. Um, but I kind of picked up the violin along the way because it was just such a fun party little instrument. I, it was kind of hard to lug a cello around, so I, I just <laughs> learned violin. <laughs> and um, so th- those are two, my two main instruments. I had a, a recording studio in Fort Lauderdale before I met Melissa, and I was doing a lot of rock music, so I learned how to play bass there. Uh, but I'm also... Uh, the recording engineer and producer for all of the recordings. So we kind of work together as a team on that one. But um, yeah, it's really just violin, cello, and bass. Those are my instruments. So for me, my mom started to make me take piano lessons when I was a little kid, and the woman told her to quit wasting her money because I kept playing (laughs) by ear. And my mom really wanted to kind of steer me down a more classical route of music because my dad was a full-time musician. So she allowed me to learn to play saxophone. And that's kind of where I learned to play music. And so saxophone is actually my most proficient instrument, if I had to be honest. And it's kind of funny because I've started playing again for the first time in a long time. Mm. But then I went to college on an opera scholarship. And that's where I learned to sing classical music kind of in high school. So I was always singing operas and foreign languages. So I really learned the culture and the love of language there. So... I kind of stopped playing saxophone for a little bit and I really wanted to play guitar because I wanted to be a cool college kid and I didn't <laughs> and then I came back to the Gulf Coast where I'm from and you know I think I've told you this in our interview a long time ago someone told me I couldn't do it and I'm like okay well watch this so I learned okay. to play guitar probably really badly and I started gigging and then I kind of got um, songwriter's block so I bought a ukulele and I started playing ukulele and then while I was in college I of course I had to take piano classes to pass my for my major 
So I play saxophone, piano, ukulele, and guitar. Um, I'm trying to teach myself banjo, but I'm not going to count that yet because that's not really a thing. <laughs> but so, yeah, but obviously I've been playing guitar and singing now. So that's going to be incentive for the audience to follow Transit Soul on social media so that, Melissa, you'll have to post updates from time to time on your banjo progress. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. No pressure. So Transit Soul was formed almost two years ago. How did the two of you meet? How was the duo formed? <laughs> I will try to not make a long answer like I did for the last question. I was literally about to leave the United States, and my plan was to tour Europe until I ran out of money. <laughs> and my friend Kristen, who's a really amazing musician in Miami, was like, you've got to meet this guy. And I'm like, I don't want to meet anyone. And she's like, he plays cello. And I'm like, fine, I'll meet him. <laughs> and so to make a long story short, we both kind of changed our life plans and he came down to visit me in the panhandle where I play used to play music and he started playing with me uh Frank Brown was actually our first festival together that we played and we just started gigging from there and he was like do you want to come do the van life thing with me and I was like sure so we kind of had to start playing together and you know the necessity of needing to be in the same space kind of helped us write songs and play together and practice and get better and it you know but kind of came just as much of our lifestyle as traveling became so that's kind of how Transit Soul was created. Mark, do you have a better way to say that than I did? <laughs> no, it was about the same. I, I mean, it helps when you meet her best friend, you know, and she was, like I said, like she said, a very talented musician, Kristen Long. And um, this had enough uh, good mu music moments with her to get the recommendation to meet Melissa. This was like history after that. <laughs> but Mark, you mentioned before something about Fort Lauderdale. Did you say that you had a studio there or you were working at a studio there? Yeah, I did. I had um, a small warehouse studio uh, that I was doing an independent record label out of. And uh, that is where I met uh, Melissa in Fort Lauderdale. Her, her friend lived in Fort Lauderdale. But uh, yeah, I had a, a, a small um, small record label in Fort Lauderdale that was I was doing a lot of original music and uh, educational music and children's music and, you know, the whole gamut. Okay, so then obviously now it's becoming more clear that it was a natural introduction to make. It wasn't just some random guy who happens to do a little bit of music here and there, let's go meet for lunch. It was, no, this guy is like all in with music. He's got his own studio. He's working, blah, blah, blah. So so I, I, I get it now. Listeners, you might recall that back on episode 268, the duo called Arbor Season talked all about their full-time touring and living in an RV which, by the way, has recently been replaced by a converted school bus. I will put a link to that episode, as well as a link to Melissa Joyner's solo appearance on NHTE. I'll put links to both of those episodes on the show page for this, the Transit Soul episode, on NHTE.net. But Melissa and Mark, what about the two of you? Let's hear the story behind converting a Sprinter van. And by the way, listeners, on the Transit Soul Instagram account, you can see all kinds of pictures and archived stories uh, about this vehicle they're about to tell you about. So Mark is better suited to talk about the specs, but before he does, I want to paint a picture. So in our van that Mark completely built, we've toured the complete U.S. with a 45-year-old blue-fronted Amazon parrot who lives in the van with us. <laughs> where most people have a bunch of clothes and things like all of our van is like music gear. But just to paint the picture, like we tour with a parrot, like if it couldn't get any weirder, it just did <laughs> insert Mark with a spit. <laughs> <laughs> from there. Yeah. 
Um, I actually uh, was considering just uh, doing solo van life and uh, music in general before I met Melissa. And uh, I spent two years building out uh, a 2006 uh, T1 Sprinter van mm. uh, at, at my parents' place in, um, Michigan. in Michigan. And my dad has a woodwork, woodworking shop up there. And I uh, basically built the whole interior out with, with uh, cedar and um, made all the cabinetry and wow. bed frames and did all the electrical and the plumbing wow. and all that kind of stuff. YouTube University. Nowadays, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was going to get a van of my own once I came back from Europe, which is so funny when he said that that's what he did. So it was kind of like crazy. Mm. It was like built and ready to go. It was like here, here you go. Like she, she, you know, joined me the last second and you know formed this really cool band and it's, I feel so blessed that you know we've, we've been able to do that and just continue to do that and I tried to woodwork badly in Michigan <laughs> I uh we, we found out that I had other talents it was not woodworking so Mark did that and if you look at our Instagram you can see some of the stuff that I've spot like did a spotlight on and it's I mean we've been everywhere in that thing and it's really opened up a lot of the world to us being able to tour full-time and you know it's got its own disadvantages as well as advantages obviously but it's definitely given us more options and i think the word options is really the biggest thing when it comes to van life because it takes you know the wanting to do something away and actually gives you the ability to that's usually what i tell my friends when they ask me about it uh, just go a little further with that, Melissa. What, what do you mean it, it takes away the... Well, a lot of people ask me all the time, you know, do I have a booker or do I work with a company or how do we get these gigs, you know, everywhere? And even though that kind of is my forte and what I do, the fact that Mark had this band built kind of gives me the ability to get there. So like for me, you know, obviously before COVID, wanting to do a, a tour in California because we had a job there already... You know, now because I know that we have the van, I don't have to pay for lodging. I don't have to do all this other stuff. Mm. So the money that I would spend on that is now available to do other things. I'm able to look to the whole U.S. map and broaden my horizons of what places I'd like to visit or where I want to book gigs. And so then I'm able to just kind of like plan a map. So literally what we do before every tour is we go on Google Maps and we pinpoint our endpoints. And so then I basically go in and investigate each music scene in each different state, and then we find cool places to stay. And being a van lifer, there's apps and a huge community that tells you where you can stay for free. That's mm. how you meet other musicians. And it's just opened so many doors for us. You know, it's, like I said earlier, it's, you know, it's hard because when I was a solo musician, I always used like, I just want to sleep on my own pillow. I just want to be in the same space and it got lonely and it was hard but the cool thing about a sprinter van is like literally you get to take your own space and your own pillow with you everywhere you go so it's kind of like quality control in some ways too so it sounds like you're saying that in the past you might have said and don't bother correcting me if you've already played this event before i'm just being hypothetical here but if you wanted to say like oh i've always wanted to play south by southwest it's like well now the only thing stopping you from playing that is the booker saying no? Because in the past it would have been like, well, wait a minute, I got to get airfare, I got to get a hotel, I got to make enough back to make it. Am I am I right, Melissa? Is, is that essentially what you're saying? That like nothing stopping you other than making sure you get bookings. Correct. That absolutely. That's the best way to look at it. I mean, like there's so many, and also because you now become like a novelty in these areas, and so everybody wants you to come visit them because you're mm -hmm. only in that area for such. 
short time. So, you know, the ability to make friends and get in and get out of places. And I mean, literally, what was it? 15,000 miles we drove on this last tour and we were able to play anywhere. And a lot of the overhead was gone. So instead of most musicians having to pay gas, lodging, all this other stuff, I mean, we can make our own food because we have a, a full kitchen in the van. We don't have to pay for lodging. So all we're paying for is gas. Mark's parents even gave us a, um, a national park pass for Christmas. So like, yeah, I mean, we, good. Good. we were, we were doing okay. You know, we had plenty of places to go. The other half of it though, too, is uh, I built it out to also be uh, sound deadened. So we actually do record vocals and instruments and stuff like that in there because it really actually is a good acoustic space. Wow. It's a solar studio. Yeah. Wow. Well, Mark, explain, and, and again, listeners, I really just encourage you just to go on the Instagram for Transit Soul and look at some of the posts and some of the archived stories, which I believe are called highlights. But Mark, just try to paint a picture for the listeners of what it is we're talking about when you use the expression a sprinter van, because obviously, as you can tell, I've spent time on the Transit Soul Instagram really looking at the vehicle, so I have a good idea of what it is. But for those that are listening, and maybe they're driving right now or they're on a treadmill and they say, I can't look it up right now, explain what a sprinter van is because I don't want people to hear van and think that this is a small because it's it's a good size vehicle yeah it's uh it's a 22 foot long um six foot six foot one head high clearance so you can stand inside of it and which is huge and it is it is everything you know when you when you do van life like mark and i are both six foot and six one so we have to stand yeah i was gonna say melissa and i know each other so i know you're a tall girl but i've not met mark so just knowing melissa that you can stand and it tells me that wow that that must be a lot of headspace yeah (laughs) yeah she's a giant hey watch it (laughs) but yeah it's uh it's basically um a cargo vehicle that has been I completely gutted out. There used to be uh, just passenger seats and overhead air conditioning unit, and I gutted out everything out to the to metal floorboards and reinsulated everything. Actually, used soundproofing that um, you would use in a studio. So it's really dead and quiet in there if you can park it in a good spot. And um, it's it's basically a small apartment on wheels with all the creature comforts that you. But one important thing to add that's different than an RV is that we can literally park anywhere and someone might not even necessarily know that Uh, we're living in it. Yeah. So an RV, a lot of places you can't park. And so that's the reason why some people do van life versus like an RV. Okay. Well, in the Patreon, we're going to get a lot more into this whole living and touring in a van. But I just want to go back. Melissa, we'll change the subject a little bit. For those that are listening that are performers who don't know how to plot out a tour, so you were saying we sit down and we look at Google Maps, and we, but but how do you actually say, like, what is the rationale? What's the strategy? How do you design, okay, Mark, like, where do we think we want to go so that it's not just flying by the seat of your pants? Because obviously we all know there has to be enough advance time for the venues to be contacted to say, can we come and play there, preferably on this date when we're going to be in your area? So what does that look like, plotting out the Transit Soul tour and the route and everything? So I've kind of come up with my own term, and I call it skeleton booking. And what I mean by that is I kind of have the bare bones of it figured out in my mind. Like I know my beginning date, and I know my end date, And Mark's been helpful, and that's really been the only adjustment of being in a duo versus solo, 
is that he's able to help me kind of reel me in, if you will, and help me yeah. figure out like geographically what makes sense as far as directions. And so I always have my first initial meeting with Mark and that's why we do the Google maps thing. Because before I just start throwing my net out to a bunch of places, I need to kind of understand where we're going to go. So we have like points of interest, like this last tour that was like 15,000 plus miles. We knew that we had gigs and needed to end at Monterey, California by a certain date. And we knew that we wanted to record Montana because we had a place to stay. Okay. So those were our two things. And we knew we had to be back in November for Frank Brown. So those uh, were kind of like my end points. And so then what we did is we made a list of wants and needs. So what we needed to do for a brand that would be beneficial to us. And what we wanted to do is um, content creators. Like what was going to be something we could use. Because Mark's also a drone pilot. And we'll talk about it later. But we do a lot of other things for our brand. And so I have all these objectives or goals, if you will, in mind. And that's all before I even send out a single booking email. So wow. then I try to fit all of the needs and wants along the map. Wow. And then I start breaking down by cities and um, actually use um, a website called Venue Maps. Um, he's a really cool guy. He created a bunch of places where you can see what gigs are where, what musicians play. I also use Reverb Nation Facebook to look up musicians in that area. I often try to always contact them first because I think having community with fellow singer-songwriters is really important. And I try to establish relationships with them. I try to come out and support their shows. But also in doing that, I can see where they play. So then I try to find someone who is similar to the act that I have because then I know they're going to go over well in those places. And then I start making a list of compiling those places. And recently, Mark has started helping me in that. I'll give him a city. I take a city and we both compile a list. And then I take that list and I actually do the initial contact of the people. And then I have a whole series of ways that I do weekly follow-ups and things. I mean, basically, it sounds crazy, but I run it as if it were like a business model. I have this thing that I do all time. And, you know, I've... I think I've played in almost 15 or 20 different countries now and I've played, I don't know how many States and you know, it's um, I do, I did it all by myself and now I have help now and it's even just the reeling me in geographically because I put almost 200,000 miles on my Jeep when I bought it, when I was playing a solo musician because Mm -hmm. I just was so hungry and wanted to play everywhere. Mark's been really good about going, well, we probably shouldn't go to California for four gigs. And just come back. So that's been really good for me personally. But to make a long story short, I realize I'm rambling. But I basically set up a goal sheet. I have a direction. I have to have have like a lot of self-dialogue when booking. Because I have to ask myself what I want out of this tour. You know, am I doing it for social media reasons? Because if you tour in one foreign country, you just need one. Because after you do one foreign country, you're now internationally touring artists. And now... Other countries are going to look at you and go, oh, okay, well, she obviously knows what she's doing. Let me at least give her time of day. Now, wait a minute. Let me jump in and ask, what did you mean when you said, am I just doing this for social media reasons? Okay, so for example, like we all know that we want to get paid and make good money. And so like you have your gas gigs, your money gigs, but then you also have your gigs that maybe you just want to play something to get your name on the same poster as someone bigger. Because you know that if you see that on social media and you share that you're uh, playing this event, when you try to apply for another event, you now are, have a whole another tier of serious, seriousness and experience okay. behind you where they're going to look at you. It's kind of like when you move to a new town 
and you can say that you've played one venue. The fact that you've played that one venue, if they were normally going to ignore your email, they're going to at least look at it now because okay. obviously you're serious about it. See, I'm glad that you explained that because, and the reason that I asked is because what I interpreted it as when you first said it is, oh, social media, I just want to have cool pictures, whether it's from, ooh, look at me, I played the House of Blues, or ooh, look at me, I played the Hard Rock, or ooh, look at me, I'm standing by the Grand Canyon. It's like, really, you're going all the way out there just so that you can take a picture by the Grand Canyon. So I'm glad that you explained, because the reasons that you say, I mean, to my own defense, I think what I'm saying makes sense, but I like yours as well, so that those that are listening understand that these are all the things. And Melissa, hats off, you've done a tremendous job. I mean, this is going to be an episode I'm going to send people to regularly, because you just, you were a fountain of information there to the point where I'm like, Offline, I need to tell Melissa, you need to create a course on this that people can buy from you because that is like so, so thorough and so well thought out that this is textbook how to, in in a roundabout way, how not to plan a tour. Mm, I appreciate you saying that. And I'm glad you asked me that question. But I do have to say one thing. Like, I completely agree with you 100%. But I will say this. If you want to be a full-time touring musician and your focus is not solely on just being a musician, in 2020's modern digital age, you do have to be a brand. So even if you are going somewhere just for the pictures and the things, like obviously your sole point of everything should be create your music and do your passions work. But if you are going to be a brand, you do have to do things like take pictures and make sure to be present because you want people to want to join along with you. So for example, without getting too far off, Mark and I are a travel brand, but we're also musicians. And the reason that I did that intentionally when I set up our brand was because that I wanted to have a net wide enough to attract a lot of people in that when I was ready to release music, which we're doing now, they're already there watching me. So now I'm sharing music with people who may normally not have even known who I was or listened to us. So for the other musicians out there, it's not necessarily a cop-out to have more than one thing going because you want to create an experience that people want to experience with you when they do your other like Patreon accounts or your different things. Like you want to be able to give them something that every single other musician in that town can't do. And for us, that is our vagabond traveling lifestyle. It's yeah. just as much as music is. Yeah, I agree, I agree 100%. And, and, I, and I just want to clarify, what I was saying is that if you're a, a rock band and you're based in New Mexico and you say, you know what, we should go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just because I've always wanted to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then you say, we'll play a gig while we're there and you end up totally losing money on that trip. Well, that was a very poorly planned trip. Right. So like, it's cool that you got pictures at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you got to visit the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you played a gig that you didn't make enough money to cover half of the expenses that you went there for. So that was foolish. You just did it for social media reasons. I do want to move on because you started to go in a direction that I I was ready to head to anyways. Tell the audience, either one of you or both of you, all about the Songs from the Road series. Um, I'll just talk about how it started and then I'll get Mark to tell you about some of the places because I feel like I'm talking too much. Sorry. But (laughs) I... So talking about content creation and talking about inviting people into our life, I realized that one of the biggest things that we weren't doing was having consistency. People wanted to know where we were. You know, they already thought I was this crazy traveling girl and Mark's just as crazy as I am. So they wanted to know where. So I was like, what if we did a song each week from wherever we were, even if it was like pouring down rain and we were stuck in a van, which did happen, (laughs) or like 
you know, just some crazy location, but this way they could tune in every single week and know where we are because most people want to travel. They're just too scared to. So this way it was two birds, one stone. They could hear our music and they could see a part of the world that maybe they hadn't ever seen. So I asked Mark if he would help me do that because he has all the gear from his other work and he helped me and we would go to different locations and we would set up and we would alternate between a cover song or that people request or then one of our originals. And then Mark, if you would just kind of talk about some of the places that we've been. Yeah. I mean, we we're, we're big nature freaks. We love hiking. We love being outdoors. So we figured out like there's so many beautiful spaces around the road. So we just chose the prettiest outdoor location. And I think our first songs from the road was actually in Yellowstone. Uh, <laughs> Tell them uh, about yeah. your ukulele. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, uh, we're, we were on one of the boardwalks next to uh, one of the, the geysers, and I'm like, Melissa, I can't take my cello out here. It's like it's gonna ruin it. And she's like, okay, well, let's just play our ukulele. So we just grabbed them and ran out there with the camera, and there was no one there, so we just ripped off the song, and it was fun. I was like, this is great. We have to keep challenging ourselves to find these cool locations. And um, well, speaking of ukuleles, we've they've had so much abuse. Like, I'm glad there's not a DHR for ukuleles because we were in Iceland. <laughs> And it was so cold, and we obviously didn't fly with our cellos or guitars. I had my ukulele, and Mark had his violin. We were standing on icebergs, freezing to death, trying to record these songs. It was crazy. So songs from the road, though, I wonder, because you were I think you said you were doing it weekly, yes? Correct. So is there any pressure at some point to say, oh, gosh, w- what are we doing this week for songs from the road? What, what we got to come up with something. We haven't done songs from the road yet, and it's already – you know, we, we've got 48 hours before we got to get this thing up on YouTube. Or was it like, trust me, Bruce, the, these episodes create themselves? Uh, it's actually a little bit of both. <laughs> I mean, it, it does, um, you know, when you find a good spot, it's obviously like inspiring because you want to go hike that sand dune and record on top of it. But uh, yes, it's very much like at the very last minute, oh my gosh, I got to mix all these different sound sources and put it out and do a video and we're you know yes every wednesday coming it was <laughs> it was hard i definitely yeah. had to be like the probably not the most awesome girlfriend ever because i would try to like get two videos in advance so you can always have one in the kitty or whatever that thing is and you know that's just not necessarily realistic when you're traveling like uh we did a christmas video and i really wanted to get it out in time just pouring down rain so it's i literally snowing. oh excuse me snowing and so i just took christmas lights threw them up in our van and made it as cozy as possible <laughs> coco made an appearance in our video and we just did it because at that point it was about sharing the experience and people were starting to get used to people were liking it yeah we literally pulled over on i-75 on the way uh home to coming home for the holidays to just shoot that video we did it in the van and listeners just for the record when melissa said coco made an appearance that's the bird she doesn't mean a cup of hot cocoa to really make it seem like christmas (laughs) uh shortly we will talk about life for transit sold during the pandemic but First, share with the audience about pre-pandemic for Transit Soul. I'm talking about travel show, production work, that stuff. So I'll let Mark talk about the shows and stuff that he's done because he's had more experience than me. But I actually just produced my first episode for the uh, a travel show in the Dominican Republic. I was so excited. It was my first time being a producer. And I was just super excited about it. And then everything shut down before that. But before that, 
you know, I'd been able to go to some of the jobs with Mark and we had just agreed to go to Poland and Prague for a travel show. And I was starting to work on some tours there. I had things in works to do a tour in Norway. I mean, we were, we were really excited. This is going to be the year that paid off for all the hard work that we mm. put into the two years creating our brand. So this mm. is probably the first year that we were going to really see the fruits of that labor, but mm. you know, life gave us a different path. But Mark, do you want to talk about the shows and stuff that you've done? Uh, but yeah, um, I work for a, a PBS travel show and I've been uh, about five, six years and I'm a sound engineer and uh, action camera operator, a drone, GoPro, stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's a pretty cool family travel brand, but um, it's, it's interesting what you learn when you're, you know, don't realize you're learning. And I was able to take a lot of those skills and roll it over into our, our endeavor. And um, we, we really love traveling. And so it's, it's a big part of who we are. So I think that being able to like mix it with the music and, and do it in a way that uh, is kind of like seamless is really, is really kind of the goal. Well, Melissa, I think that really just kind of rammed home to anyone that really hadn't fully absorbed yet the impact that this pandemic has really had on musicians. For you to say what you just said there, I think that's kind of the textbook. Like, okay, if people don't know, like, listen to episode 344, now hear this entertainment, and Melissa Joyner talks about what was going to happen in 2020 versus what we'll talk about in a few minutes of what did actually happen. I want to just reset here. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by Melissa Joyner and Mark Brook. They are the duo called Transit Soul. Visit their official website at transitsoul.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then from their website, you can also get onto their social media meaning Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and even Pinterest, which I'm going to ask them about in the Patreon, in addition to talking more about van life. You can follow Transit Soul on Spotify, but the better way to support them is by purchasing downloads of their music from iTunes. We will hear shortly about what they did during the pandemic when the world and live music shut down, but they are back out performing. So check the shows section of transitsoul.com to see where and when you can see them perform live. Don't forget about the survey that's out there about the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. Somebody who fills that out will win a $25 Amazon e-gift card in a drawing to be held on September 14th. Go to the show website, nhte.net, and among all the social media and podcast platform apps, use either the Facebook or Twitter logo to go to the top of one of those, and use the link in the pinned post or the pinned tweet to go fill out the survey or email me through podcast at nhte.net and ask me to send you the link to the survey. Remember also that Melissa and Mark and I will have more conversation over in the bonus audio available exclusively through Patreon. Gain access by heading directly to patreon.com slash nhte or visit my show website nhte.net and use the orange colored support us on Patreon button. It's only five bucks to get started and you are helping me with my show in the process. So thank you for your consideration of that. Melissa or Mark, the two of you really had been performing all over before the pandemic halted all that momentum that Transit Soul had going. In the intro, I mentioned that you've performed there in South Carolina, as far west as California, and even down in the Virgin Islands. But just 
share briefly with the audience some of the other locations where Transit Soul had been, especially now that everyone heard about the extensive plotting that goes into the touring? Oh, man. So to try to keep it short, the entire Gulf Coast, some of the East Coast, Michigan, Montana, California, Oregon, Arizona, Tucson area. Um, I feel like I said that too quickly. Uh, We did the Virgin Island tour. We just... Man, I mean, literally, like, we circled the completely outlying states of the U.S. Mm. and then came home. Mm. It was over 15,000 miles. Did I see Canada at some point, too? You did, but we actually got kicked out of Canada because of our parrot. <laughs> we, had the wrong, we had the wrong exotic bird paperwork when we were crossing the border. Thankfully, they let us back. But uh... Yeah, we almost got stuck there, and oh we drove, gosh. like, an extra day to get there. It was portal uh, Portal Canada or something like that. North Dakota. Mm. North Dakota Portal. And they like, let us in. They're like, well, you might not be able to get back into America. And Mark's like, I've had this bird for over 20 years, <laughs> I uh, guess. And Mark is actually a half Canadian citizen. So I guess he would have just moved to Canada and I would have figured it out. <laughs> well, when the pandemic did hit, what was it like to be stranded? And for that matter, where did you all settle during the quarantine? Well, I do have to say before I say anything else, we got so incredibly lucky and I realize that not all musicians have been as lucky as we are. And, and there are a lot of ways we were terrified because if you really think about what the shutdown meant, we couldn't go to any planet fitnesses cause they shut those down. We couldn't go to campgrounds cause they shut those down. Mm. We literally had nowhere to go cause we gave up our homes to do van life. And all these friends obviously were like, come here, but because of this virus, you don't want to get them sick. So you don't really want to go to their houses. But we had met this one man in Amelia Island. He came to three of our gigs. And musicians out there know if someone comes to three of your gigs, they're like your family now. (laughs) And um, he said, listen, you need to come to Myrtle Beach. I had never even heard of Myrtle Beach. I'm such a Gulf Coast girl. I'm so bougie. I love our beaches. I was never, you know, I didn't know much about it. I had toured in... Cape, the Cape, and I loved it there, but I didn't know anything about the East Coast. And so literally at like two or three other gigs, Mark, other people mentioned Myrtle Beach, right? And we're like, okay, this is a sign. So right before we were supposed to leave for Poland, we had a week, and only a week with a big question mark. We're like, forget it. Let's just go to Myrtle Beach. And so our friend Jeff told us about a, a house concert series they have here, which is Cherry Grove. You should look up Luke Sharp. I'll send you his info. It's a really amazing house concert series they have here. And we ended up living in the bottom of his house mm. for about two weeks. And then we had an opportunity that came up to have a safe place to stay, thanks to our friend Jeff. And we didn't know what we were going to do. We were literally refugees in a town in a music scene. We didn't know anyone. And there was a cello guitar player duo here. And I was like, this is like bizarro version of us. <laughs> and they were so gracious to us. Um, their name's Sweet Sweet. And they introduced us to their friends and Luke and Jeff, the two men that we met mentioned earlier, they introduced us. I mean, if I had told you all the stories, which you know we don't have time for, it was just a miracle because it was almost as if the world said, Hey, I know you're screwed in every single way, but here's a soft place to land. And now we've been so fortunate because we're invested in the Florida, Alabama and South Carolina music scene. So we've actually been kind of going back and forth. It's a 20 hour drive round trip, but We've been able to pay our bills and keep food in the table. And also we um, 
did a lot of live streams that's helped us. I mean, really like our fan base and our friends and family showed up and showed out. And I, I feel like a lot of musicians can concur when I say this, like the people who know what it's like to have a dream and chase it, they really didn't want that dream to die. And I feel like a lot of people were like, here's $20 for this song request that I would normally tip $2 for. Mm. But everyone really just came through. And, you know, towards the end when it started getting smaller and smaller because everyone realized it wasn't just going away, that's when it really got hard because you feel bad going live because you know you're asking for basically people to tip you that need the money themselves. So we actually had to really work with that. And so we stopped going live for a little while because I wanted my friends to keep their money. And actually we did a really cool thing here. All the waitresses and bartenders that couldn't hop on and sing for tips, I challenged my local musician friends to pick random people and sing for them. So there was about 10 different musicians in different countries who would pop on Facebook Live and sing and all the money would go to waiters and bartenders and hostesses. Mm. So I... Even though there's a lot of horrible things going on, I saw some of the most beautiful acts of kindness that I've ever got to experience. Wow. And I know I'm totally rambling, but my point is, is that we got stranded in a really awesome place. Mark and my friend Luke are teaching me how to surf. Um, we've, and it's so crazy. There's musicians here that remind us so much of musicians back in Alabama. It's literally like the bizarro version mm-hmm. of the Gulf Coast. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Wow. Wow. Well, what are your thoughts, one or both of you, on what has become a pretty new scene now for music and for performers? Uh, Myrtle Beach has been a really interesting place to, uh, like she said, have a soft landing. That's a really good way to describe it. Um, Everyone here has been completely uh, family-oriented. Everyone is music musician wise is always looking out for each other, um, trying to like show up at each other's gigs and provide like other opportunities to work in town. And it's it's really interesting because it really is a little big town when it comes to comes to that. But we the, lucky. the level of talent here is is mind blowing. There's some unbelievably excellent musicians that live in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I think a lot of people, and a lot of people don't really like think about like this being like a hotspot for like original music and stuff, but it's actually turning out to kind of be uh, an interesting scene for that. So, well, and that was so funny because like everyone that we talked to before we came here, because I originally tried to book here before we came here, and it was actually the one place I couldn't book any gigs because everything was held by bookers. Mm. And so I was really concerned. This is before COVID. I was like, Mark, I've never been shut down this much ever in all my six years of playing music but you know i think because we had a friend connection we were able to just get that one venue that i mentioned before that opened other doors because it just takes one and so for all the people who were trying to start over in new places just keep on trying man and get that one gig you know okay but i'm curious about something what i see happening and i'm not the only one i mean we've all seen it is so, 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 so many performers were forced online during the pandemic and were performing from home. And it sounds like the two of you might have started to do that, which in itself might have been new. I, I don't know. That's not really the point of my question. I mean, obviously, you're already doing songs from the road, which is different because those are recorded, polished videos. But where I'm going with this is now that you have this life where you're constantly performing on the road, it's like, okay, well, we did it as a necessity during the pandemic, but 
some musicians are saying, well, that's going to be part of my regular thing now. Like, I'm always going to be going back out and doing live shows, but I'm going to make sure I still do one a week or one every other week. Is that an option when you're living in a van on the road, or is it, no, Bruce, you know, we're not going to stream from inside our van. We want to get out into venues where there's people, or is it, you know, we'll go halfway, like we'll just stream from one of our shows, or is it you're beating the dead horse? Streaming is done for us, Bruce. We're not going to live stream anymore. We just did it out of necessity. So I honestly have talked to Mark about this a lot in full detail recently, and I think it's more about quality versus quantity for us, And I, because I do realize how fortunate we are that we are playing gigs, even though it's not. I used to play seven days a week, and now maybe it's like two or three if we're lucky. However, doing the streaming thing really opened my eyes, because it's not something that we did collectively as a duo before, but our friends from all over the world would pop in, and just seeing their names pop up on the screen brought me so much joy and mm. it gave us a connection that I feel like we normally didn't get to have. So I think I've got one more Florida run coming up solo and then we're going to do at least once a month. And so it'll be like a scheduled thing on the calendar, just like a regular event. I'll invite people to it, but really I just wanted to have a place for us to hang out. You know, I'll put up my tip information, our tip information, just because, you know, granted we are still trying to survive and thrive. And I've I actually read, I think it's, um, Oh, it's something Palmer, the art of asking why, like you feel guilty for having those things up there. But, you know, again, this is the job that I chose and I'm, we're creative people and this is what we're doing. And if they don't tip us, that's awesome. If they do, that's awesome. But I really just want to have like, I guess, musical communion, if you will. Like, I just want to have a space where we can hang out, talk about what hurts, play some music, laugh at how awkward I am on camera. I mean, <laughs> so I think that Mark and I have agreed to at least once a month okay. because if for nothing else, it's just a lot of people are still locked down. They still can't go to shows yeah. and they need that. Okay. But I do feel like doing it once a week became too hard because one, there's so many people doing it Two, It just, it wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't sit right for us. I feel like it's not something that we, Mark, I don't know. What do you think? I feel like we stopped doing it because we felt guilty, but also we just kind of stopped doing it. Yeah, it, I mean, like, we do like to be able to provide music for, you know, obviously we have fans all over the place, so it's kind of hard for them to ever even catch a live show. But uh, it, honestly, I think she's right. Like, the quantity and the quality aspect of it, we just rather choose, like, a cool place to shoot and just do it once a month. But really, you know, getting out there and playing live music around here is, is kind of been our focus right now. So. Gotcha. Yeah, we're still trying to break into it. And it's it's hard to do normally, doing it during a pandemic. Like Mark made a funny quote yesterday. He was like, I'm going to break into a new music scene, but when I do, it's during a pandemic. And I was like, you know, it's it's been so hard. But honestly, it's been humbling too because you don't realize when you're playing seven days a week and some of those days doubles, you don't really realize how much you miss out on the hustle and bustle of it all. Like because we're not playing every night, we've gone out to meet other musicians. We've, you know, shaken – well, maybe I shouldn't say shaken hands because of COVID, but we've gone out and like <laughs> met people – gone out and listened to their music we've been able to support other artists and honestly mm. i feel like that's how we've been able to be so successful here because we're not just someone who's coming in and taking from the music scene we're actually trying to give back and yeah. be helpers and do charity events and just be visible and be there for other people and i think that at least i'm speaking for myself i was very guilty of being so goal-oriented and being so focused on success mm. that i forgot to live wow and wow. even though COVID is hard, 
And even though I would like to be playing seven days a week because I'm a workaholic, I think it's been very healthy for us to be able to meet people and be more present. And I think yeah. that will show in our new music that we're going to be releasing because we're we're being more influenced by different struggles, by different people and different sounds and different regions and areas. Like we were both very pulled to the West Coast. We love it so much there. And some of our music after being there for a while was influenced by it. So mm. I can't wait to see how our music to be influenced by the East yeah, Coast. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And listeners, I have a confession to make. I, I cheated you. There was a time earlier on when we were talking about, are you just traveling for social media? And the example that was in my head, that shame on me, I didn't throw it out there, was, are you going to go all the way to Las Vegas just to do one show so you can say I played in Las Vegas? And I should have said it, and I apologize that I didn't. I'm wondering if Melissa and Mark are going to get there because they didn't mention it either. But when they're ready to go there, I hope that they will look at the Access Vegas newsletter. I talk about it every week on this show, and I saw that the latest edition hit my inbox. I haven't opened it yet, but you know that I'll be going and looking into that. And I've been getting notifications on my phone from the private Facebook group which is all part of your Access Vegas membership. And don't forget, when you sign up and you put in the code BRUCE, you'll get $5 off. And you'll get all kinds of insider information on deals out there. There's no coupons required. They're saving you money. They're giving you tips on how to navigate through the city so that you maximize your time in Las Vegas, whether you're going out there in a couple months, whether you're going out there next year. I know I'm going to be going out there at some point, probably in the next maybe eight months or so, so I'm always reading that, but I'm going to be reading it with a different eye so that I'm prepared when I go out there to really get the most for the time that I'm there. Go to my show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. They do have a money-back guarantee, but last year there weren't even double digits. There weren't even 10 people that asked for their money back. So when you sign up for it, you're going to love it. Go to nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and put in the code BRUCE at sign up to get $5 off. Melissa and, and Mark, also, you just started to mention about new music. I had mentioned in the intro that in March you released a single, but what can you say about new music that is on the way for Transit Soul? So Mark has been extremely fundamental in the recording process and getting things done. We spent a good amount of time closing the chapter on some of my Melissa Joyner music songs just so that I could have that done out of the way for me music for Transit Soul. So that's if you look on Spotify, it'll actually be on Transit Soul Spotify too. You'll hear all the singles and what you're hearing today are the songs that Mark helped us close up. But also we've been working on some new stuff. We talked about what we recorded in the cabin. We actually have some more like electronic based music that we haven't really released yet just something that we do for fun as a project we actually just recorded a new song with the local artist here so we'll be releasing that soon so we're probably about like 85 percent finished on like five or six different things that we just needed the time to finish up and so we're excited to do that i think sometime in october we're gonna go away for a little bit and just write again too so basically finishing up some projects that need to be done. They're really close and then starting on some brand new things. But is all this going to go into the form of an EP or a full album for Transit Soul or will these be individual single releases for the next foreseeable future? Yeah, actually uh, we are, we are building a full album. Um, I, but I think we, we do need like a full like writing session to really focus on making it cohesive. But we do have uh, the, the next six songs that are coming out probably will be in EP format. 
but uh, like as she was saying in October, we're going to lock back down and write a new album. I'm super excited to do that. There's also something really fun that I really enjoy doing about releasing singles here lately, because that way it takes off the pressure of having a cohesive body of work and allows you just to get something out to people sooner. So I think I'll probably focus more on singles for myself and EP aspect for Transit Soul. But Mark, is it fair to say, being that you're talking about an October writing session, is it fair to say, Mark, that there probably would not be an EP from Transit Soul out before the end of 2020, or is that actually a possibility? Uh, that that actually is a possibility. Um, the the next six songs that we are working on right now probably will be released as an EP. Uh, okay, okay. Well, we're going to close today with another song from Transit Soul, one called Searching, which I really, really liked when you sent it to me. Before the three of us switch over and have more conversation in the bonus content for Patreon, tell the audience all about this song, please. So I was single and I was traveling the world and I was seeing the most beautiful things, mountains and glaciers and you name it. And it still felt so empty. And honestly, this song has evolved because I didn't love myself the way I should have. I didn't really know what that meant. And so I kept searching for this thing. And I used to use travel as a Band-Aid. And I would see all these beautiful things. And I started thinking to myself, I was like, well, is the reason that I don't find anyone because I love traveling more? And so I wrote this whole song because, one, I didn't have a travel song. I thought that was kind of ridiculous. So on the plane back from Iceland, I wrote this. And I just was asking the question of, is, is love bigger than your dreams? And is love bigger than travel? And can you have both? And would I sacrifice all these amazing things to find love? And so it was really an existential crisis in song form is what it really breaks down to. But it just talks about how I wanted to share those experiences with someone and asking the question of, is it as rewarding to have the things and the moments if you don't have the people? And so it was really self-exploration, but in public. (laughs) But yet the song was written fairly recently, I'm, I'm guessing, Melissa, because clearly we can hear Mark's cello on it, or was it this was a solo Melissa Joyner song and Mark kind of redid it? So um, in the very beginning, I kind of touched a little bit, but I didn't really explain it well. We had several songs that I wrote as a solo artist that I was just ready to throw them away to move on to new things because I was just kind of burnt out and over it. Mm. But Mark really fought for them and he wanted them to see the light of day. And he was like, let's just do these songs. And we tried to do them while we were on tour and it was extremely hard. I think this song was recorded and finished recorded in like six different states. And so it was definitely a hard way to learn how to record together. But, you know, because Mark fought for these songs, that's why they exist. And I just, in retrospect, I'm glad that he did fight for them because I'm just, I was so over it. I wanted to have new music that I was (laughs) proud of and I wanted to write songs that felt authentic. And I'm such a different person. Like I'm terrified to to go back and listen to the interview you and I did because I thought I knew everything and I was like 25 and I started. And some of these songs make me feel like I'm that girl again. So it is kind of hard Mm. to go there and to share them with people because I learned so much and I've changed so much, but it's nice to have these songs as a marker. Most people in their career have albums earlier on and, I've I've managed to accomplish a lot of really cool things, but I never had anything recorded. And people gave me so much trouble about that my whole career. Mm. And so I just wanted to close that chapter. And uh, Mark helped me do that. So we recorded these songs. So if you listen to the song called Coming In Clear on our Spotify channel, that's 
something that's more recent that's just Mark and I. But the reason that I chose these songs today with Mark is because Mark, you know, fought for them to exist. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I don't want to go back and listen to our interview from six years ago for Bruce reasons and, you know, what I was doing with the show <laughs> back then. So, but but in a, in, a, in a more serious, if it makes you feel any better, if it makes you feel any better, Melissa, hats off to the two of you. Because again, this song, I... I Listeners, if you've been with me for a while, you know that when an artist sends me a song to play on their interview, if I really like it, I say so. If I don't say it, it doesn't mean I don't like the song. It just means that if I really like it, I say so. So Mark and Melissa, both really nice job on on the song that we're about to hear. And and great to have you both on the show. Thanks so much for all your time today. Thanks so much for having us. We really love what you do for songwriters. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to Melissa Joyner and Mark Brook. Together, they are the duo Transit Soul. Visit their official website at transitsoul.com. Again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Be sure to engage with them on social media. So that means like their Facebook page, follow them on Instagram, subscribe to their YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell them you heard them and their music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember, they are even on Pinterest, too, which I'm going to ask them about during Patreon. Follow them on Spotify, sure, but support Transit Soul by purchasing downloads of their music from iTunes. And be sure to keep up with them online, too, so you can see where and when you can go see them perform live. I'm going to sound like we're in a bar now, but here's the last call. (laughs) I'm inviting anyone and everyone to fill out the survey for this podcast. One lucky winner in a random draw on September 14th will win a $25 Amazon e-gift card. Go to the show website, nhte.net, and look for the Facebook and or Twitter icons so you can go to one of those platforms and access the link to the survey in the post and the tweet that I pinned to the top of those two feeds, respectively. Alternatively, write to me through podcast at nhte.net and ask for the link to the survey, and I will email you back with that. Remember that there will be more from Transit Soul in exclusive bonus audio that will only be available through the Patreon for this show. You can get in at only 5 bucks, and in the process, you'll also unlock similar files for the last 37 weeks, and you'll be supporting me and what I do here every week. Just go to patreon.com slash nhte or use the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button on the show website, nhte.net, and you'll be on your way to gaining access to behind-the-scenes info that I give out on there, plus, of course, extra conversation with the podcast guests. For now, that will do it for episode 344. Thank you ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Transit Soul. This is the one they just talked about. It's called Searching. mountain that I could find. I slipped in the desert, lost track of time. I bathed the northern lights on the hills far away. But I keep on searching for something to make me stay. Something to make me stay. I've seen cliffs crumble and rush out to sea. Dance with strangers whose language I can't speak. I swam under a waterfall and prayed on a bluff. But I keep on searching for something I've seen. Oh, something I've seen.